Thank you, Sharon. Welcome and good morning. We are so glad that you decided to join us here for worship at First Church of New Knoxville. It's so nice to see all of you that are gathered here in the sanctuary with us this morning. And so glad that you've decided to join us as well for those who have listen, are listening on the radio. There's several announcements I want to highlight as we uh, begin our service this morning. And uh, I'm sure there's others in the bulletin that will be worth your time checking out as well. The Giving Tree, as you can see, is up in the Heritage Room. Uh, it's, we had it up last week, and it will continue to be here through Christmas Eve. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with what the Giving Tree is all about, there are some ornaments over there uh, listing items that are needed for the Elizabeth New Life Pregnancy Center in Sydney. Um, if you're able to uh, and willing, uh, we invite you to go over, check out some of those ornaments, take them with you. Uh, purchase the items and then bring them back and set them under the tree with the ornament attached to it. And all of those items will be collected and donated for those who are in need. Uh, and you have all the way up till Christmas Eve to do that. Also this afternoon uh, at 3 p.m., we are happy to be hosting Sharon Cheney's annual concert for her piano students right here in the sanctuary. And there's an open invitation for all of you to come back and enjoy an afternoon of Christmas music and refreshments. Once again, that's 3 p.m. here in the sanctuary if you are free and want to enjoy some wonderful music. Uh, next Sunday, after the service, is the children's Christmas program. It will begin at 10.30 a.m. Uh, to give them some time to organize and get some things set up after the service. In the meantime, we invite you to stick around and enjoy some cookies and refreshments in the Heritage Room as well. Uh, and, and then the program will begin at 10.30. In lieu of that, uh, there is no regular Sunday school ne- next week, uh, so that all will be able to be here and be a part of that Christmas program. And also, there will be no... No regular Sunday school on December 23rd because it is Christmas weekend. We want to give you guys a chance to um, get together with family and have all of those wonderful celebrations. So Sunday school we will resume with its normal schedule on December 30th, which is two weeks. Uh, two, we'll, so we'll be having two Sundays off and then resuming again after that. Speaking of Sunday school classes, I want to take a moment and invite Jake Bredigan forward to discuss a new Sunday school class that will be starting in the new year. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Beginning in January, First Church will be offering a new Bible study that I am excited to to introduce. The title, Jesus Among Secular Gods, written by Vince Vitale and Ravi Zacharias, will study prevailing secular worldviews um, that are in stark contrast to the worldview that Jesus calls us to have. And this last summer, Tori and I had an amazing opportunity to go through this Bible study with the high schoolers. And it was very interesting to see our kids understand how these secular worldviews influence their lives today, even in our small community. After the study was over, it was clear uh, how much everyone could benefit from this study as well. And we're going to have two goals during this time together. Uh, First, we're going to recognize and define the prevailing secular worldviews of our time. Atheism, scientism, pluralism, humanism, and hedonism. Because how else can we fight the enemy unless we understand how and where the enemy is going to attack us? Secondly, this study will help uh, will seek to help us as Christ followers to engage and have meaningful conversations with people uh, that have these secular worldviews. So this coming January, during our Sunday school hour, we're going to take 11 weeks to go through this study, starting on January 27th and ending the week before Palm Sunday. From now until January 6th, 
there will be a sign-up sheet at the info table in the back. Uh, please sign up if you are interested so that we can order books for everyone. All are welcome to join this study, and we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. Uh, as I mentioned already, there's other announcements in your bulletin, and I encourage you to take a look at those before you leave today. Uh, and at this time, for our call to worship this morning, we're going to light our the second candle of our Advent wreath. Uh, so I want to invite forward Rick and Abby Holman and their family uh, for the reading and prayer to go along with that. Last week's, if you remember, our theme was hope, and this week is peace. We gather around the Advent wreath today knowing that we are not perfect, that we all make mistakes and do bad things. Only Jesus obeyed God fully. God helped, helps us to live as God wants us to live. Jesus gives us peace. Isaiah 9, 6-7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is peace, for Christ is called the Prince of Peace. Christ's name is also Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus gives us peace. John 14:27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let us pray. Eternal God, we thank you that through all the years you have given peace to your people. Help us to have your peace in our lives. In this Advent season, we pray that you will help us shine the light of your presence to those around us so that they may also have peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, if you are able, I invite you to stand and join us as we sing number 143, Infant Holy, Infant Lowly.
Amen. At this part of our service, we want to invite our children to come forward for children's chat with Miss Nikki. While they're coming forward, please take a moment and greet your neighbor. Can I have your wrapper? Thank you. All right. So today uh, our lesson is about peace because that's the candle that we lit today. And I, I think um, peace is one of those things that you learn best about when you don't have it. Have you ever heard your mom say, oh, my gosh, I just want some peace and quiet? Yeah, a lot of heads are nodding right now. Okay. (laughs) Well, when you think about peace, peace is kind of something you only notice because it is when chaos and craziness and frustration and all of those other things that make us go, are gone. In fact, the American sign language for the word peace is when you wring your hands together and then smooth it out. So, yeah, seriously. So if you think wringing your hands, what happens when you rub your hands together really fast? Do it, do it, do it. They start to get warm, right? Things start heating up. You ever start having an argument and things start heating up? And then mom comes in. She takes care of things, right, and smooths it out. That's peace. When all of that craziness and all of that smooths out. Okay, And that's why they use that sign. So we create that friction and God smooths it out. Sheesh. Peace is kind of important, isn't it? When you start feeling stressed and you start feeling worried and it starts building and building and building until it's meltdown time, it's Christmas program week. Yeah, I get a meltdown once a year, too. Okay. And, uh, but if I pray and if I ask God and if I let things be peaceful, then all of a sudden, smooth. Can you practice that sign? Ring, 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 and smooth. Ring, 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 and smooth. Ah. So, what do we do? We pray. And praying lets God know that you're not feeling much peace right now. But if you tell him, he will help smooth. Ah. And then mom gets some peace and quiet, right? (laughs) All right, pray with me. Lord, thank you for our little ones today. Thank you for making them big and strong. Thank you for helping them learn about you and help us to grow, keep us safe, and make us more like you. Amen. Thanks, guys. Killed in Afghanistan, Sergeant Jason Mitchell McClary, 24, from Export, Pennsylvania. Lost off the coast of Japan in a mid-air collision during refueling, Marine Captain Jamar F. Resilard, 28, from Miramar, Florida. Five other Marines are still being searched for. Before we stand for our next song, why don't we take a moment and pray for those soldiers that are still missing. Um, We can pray for safety and for 
them to be found. So let's take a moment. Father, we are so grateful for um, those who have put themselves in harm's way on our behalf um, and for our benefit and for our safety. Your word says that greater love has no man than this, that a person should lay down their life for their friend. Um, And so, Lord, there are those that have taken that command and and have lived it out, um, Lord, in ways that sometimes we don't understand or can't comprehend. And so this day we do pray not only for the, the families of soldiers, who have lost their loved ones, but we also pray, uh, Lord, for those that are missing and, and they're MIA, and we are not sure what the result of that will be. And so we lift them up to you. We pray for safety, and we do pray, Lord, that you would ensure a safe return for them, Lord. Uh, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Lord, we also, uh, we, at this time, we want to invite you to stand and sing number 123, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
and you may be seated. I invite you to pray with me at this time. Father, we are here this morning to worship you, and we, during this Advent season, look forward to your coming. We are celebrating, Lord, the the Advent of your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. The coming of our Emmanuel, our God with us. And there's no greater sign of your love for this, for this creation and for your people. There's no greater sign of, of your care for us than Emmanuel. The fact that you have become like one of us. And through your son, Jesus Christ, you sympathize with us. You know what it's like to experience temptation. You know what it's like to experience human weakness. And so you can sympathize with us as we come to you now with our needs and our concerns. And we have the confidence knowing, Lord, that you care and that you are able to understand what we are going through. You are a God who is, who is near to his creation. You are not divorced from us. You are not separated from us. Uh, but you are here, even now, by your Spirit with us and with your people. And so we thank you for the confidence that that brings, that we can come and, and lay our burdens at your feet. Uh, we do that this morning, Lord. We, we come to you and, and ask for you to work in our lives, Lord. Uh, help us um, navigate the difficulties and the hardships of life and in all of their many forms. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge that there, is peop- there are people who are dealing with sickness, uh, in, in nagging coughs and flu seasons and people who are dealing with the reality of cancer and other much more serious illnesses, Lord. Um, in all things, Lord, we ask for, for you to work and for your healing hand to be upon them. Lord, we ask that you would heal them uh, of, their, of whatever is ailing them, Lord. And also, Lord, not have us, help us to have the confidence not just in physical healing, but in, in the reality of spiritual healing, the, the reality, Lord, that no matter what we experience in this life, we can find peace and joy and hope and love in you and your presence here with us, and ultimately our presence with you for eternity. Lord, give us that confidence as we face uh, health issues, as we face other um, uncertainties, Lord, um, as we are unsure of of what is going on in our families, and our job situations, in, um, in our world today, Lord. Uh, we're just surrounded by uncertainty and chaos and conflict. So Lord, help us to find peace in the midst of that. And that, Lord, we acknowledge only comes from you. And so we, we come to you now humbly seeking your will for our lives. And, and as, as the Lord's Prayer says, we seek out your will and for your kingdom to come and, and find confidence in that. And so we, we gather together this morning to seek you out and to, and to acknowledge, Lord, not only your coming uh, 2,000 years ago and what that means for us today, but looking forward to the hope of your future coming when you will right all of the wrongs and all of sin and the effects of sin will be wiped clean from this earth. And we thank you for that, Lord, and, and we pray all these things in the name of, of Jesus uh, the com- and the confidence and the hope and the assurance that that brings. We pray it as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
invite those at this time to come forward who are helping with the offering as the choir sings Every Valley. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading will come from the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother, Philip, tetrarch of Atria and Trachonitis, 
and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Cephas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. Our second scripture reading will come from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. Let's pray. Father, we again ask for your blessing on this time. We ask that you would guide us as we open your word together, and we ask for your blessing to be upon this message. Father, I do ask that you give me words to speak as we, as we examine what peace looks like in our world today and for us. I pray that you would guide me and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. This time of year, I know many of us, that you know, you have your traditions, and, and part of that for many people is watching your favorite Christmas movie. And there's plenty of them out there, you know, whether you want, like, sentimental old-time classics or maybe some of the newer uh, comedies that are out there. You know, we all love our, have our favorite Christmas movies, and, and for maybe some of you that love movies like I do, you can begin to quote them, and you just... Go over and over again. So I'm not going to necessarily share what my favorite Christmas movie is here, here with all of you, but um, but one thing I have noticed as you look at the whole gambit of Christmas movies, whether you like those sentimental classics or or a comedy or or whatnot, um, they all tend to center around a lack of peace, don't they? Whatever the the whatever's driving the movie, it's it's always the chaos and the craziness and the busyness that surrounds the Christmas season. I feel like, you know, whether, whatever, whatever your movie is, that seems to be the central theme. And it's interesting to me and I, ironic if you think about it that, that that drives the movie when the, when one of the words that we often associate with Christmas in this time of year is, is peace. And it's that lack of peace that drives those movies. But if, if we think about it, those movies reflect our own lives, don't they? This time of year for most of us is one of the busiest times of year. It's the time when we feel maybe least at peace with our families, with uh, our schedules, with all of the things that need to be done to prepare for Christmas with the family. Um, everything just leads to chaos and craziness and busyness. And if, if we think about it, in a sense, to a lack of peace. And so we, we come this morning and we look at, we, we lit the Advent candle and as we think and reflect on the coming of Christ, one of the things that Christ promises to establish 
in our hearts and in our lives is peace. The Isaiah passage says that he is the Prince of Peace. And and when Christ rose again, one of the first things he said to his disciples is, Peace be with you. My peace I leave with you. See, peace is a very central thing to uh, a central aspect of what it means to be in Christ and to to be in his kingdom. And, and yet it's one of those things that often escapes us if we're honest with ourselves. And so today I want to pause and talk about what it means to truly have peace and, and define that for us. And, and then we will look at how we can experience that or obtain it for ourselves. Uh, and so we want to begin with, with talking about peace. Um, and, and I do want to just start off by saying, and I know several, of, I, I have probably said this on several occasions, but it's important for us to know that peace is not simply just the absence of conflict or chaos. Now, the absence of chaos and all and conflict and hardship can lead to peace or the, the feeling of peace, that is for sure. I loved love the American Sign Language, Nikki. That was that was perfect. That the chaos, the craziness, and then ah, nothing. That's that's the feeling of peace, and that's a wonderful thing. But I wanna I wanna take a moment and and let you all know that we can still experience that peace even in the midst of the chaos and the craziness. Just just because those things are present in our lives doesn't mean we can't experience peace for ourselves, and and that's because. We are never truly and completely going to be rid of that. Last, last week I spoke a lot about how we, are, we have hope in a broken world, right? This world we live in has been uh, affected and continues to be affected by the reality of sin and the consequences of sin. And so if that's the world that we live in and will continue to live in, then we are going to have a hard time finding peace if it is only the absence of those things. Because we may find it momentarily here or there, but it will never be completely lasting. And so we, I think it's important for us to define peace in a different way. Uh, and so biblically speaking, I would argue that peace is the, it's the well-being, it's the security that's associated with God's presence among his people. You see, the key factor to having peace and experiencing peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the fact that God is present in the midst of it and in the midst of your life. You see, if we simply define something by its absence, then, then it can be really difficult to maintain. Now, there are some things that are defined by, the, by their absence. Uh, scientifically speaking, there is no such thing as darkness, right? Darkness is simply the absence of light. In the same way, cold is not a thing that can be measured or quantified. It is the absence of heat. And so we can experience those things, but we, it's really hard to define or, or grasp you know, or, or, or quantify darkness and cold. It's simply the absence of something else. And in the same way, if we were to define peace by the absence of conflict, it's, it's hard to grasp and it's hard to hold on to. And therefore, I'd say hard to maintain because... We're defining it in terms of something else. But peace, biblically speaking, is, is associated with God's presence. It's his active presence in our lives and in a particular situation that guarantees peace. Peace is then a gift. It's not something we can earn or manufacture or maintain ourselves. It's a gift that we receive with open hands from the Lord. And if it's a gift, then it's not dependent on me 
And it's not dependent on my situation. And those are really important for us to remember. Because if peace is dependent on me, then I will do a really good job of messing it up. Right? If peace is dependent on you and on you maintaining it with your effort, you're going to do a really good job of messing it up too. We're all in the same boat because it's going to be impossible for us to maintain it ourselves. The moment we slip up, the moment we we make a mistake, the moment we say something we probably shouldn't have said, that peace will be gone if it's dependent on us. And again, it's not dependent on our situation either because there are many things in our world, in in our own lives that are completely out of our control that we can't influence, but influence and have an impact on us. You know, I think and reflect on these last couple months and just in our own family and all of the illness and sickness that's just been running rampant through our house. I know many of you are, are aware of that, and it's just affected us in so many ways, you know, um, just just disrupting our schedules and, and, and our plans and and just not to mention the not fun that comes with being sick and having sick kids, right? And And in many ways, that is so much out of our control. Right? You can't help it when your kid gets sick. You can't help it when you get sick. The only thing you can do is just roll with the punches and go with it and do the best you can in the midst of it. And so if our, if, if my peace as, as a dad or as a husband, as, as a father is, is wrapped up in whether or not my kid is healthy, that is never going to happen, right? But we can find peace in spite of those things, in spite of our circumstances, because our peace is not dependent on those things. And sick kids, I know, is, is, is a minor example compared to what many people face. And even in those situations, whatever it is, maybe it's a, a diagnosis, maybe it's a, a situation at work, maybe it's a family crisis, those factors are well out of your control as well. But know, too, that your peace does not depend on those things either. You can find peace and receive peace from the Lord even in the midst of those things. And so we find peace with God that leads to a peace in the world. And notice I I said, I, I phrased that very particularly. We have peace with God that leads then to peace in the world. Now, we may not have peace with the world, right? But we can have peace in the world while we go about our lives. And that ultimately is rooted in the peace that we receive from the Lord. We can find peace in a broken world. And and in fact, it's sometimes our experiences in this broken world that makes us appreciate God's peace all the more. As we go through difficulties, as we go through hardship, that makes us appreciate and understand God's peace in an even greater way. And the same, you know, think of, think of what, I don't know if any of you are, are backpackers or hikers, but, um, back in a, in a former life of mine, I used to do those things a little bit more often. And I had an experience when I was in high school to go out to, uh, Philmount Scout Ranch in New Mexico and spend a week backpacking and in the mountains. And, and one of the days we got a, uh, our, our hike led us to, uh, the, we got up really early in the morning and got to go up to, I believe it was Mount Baldy was the name of it. And we got to go up there and, and watch the sunrise from the mountain peak. And I have to tell you, that is an experience that is hard to forget, right? Just being up on this mountain, just seeing everything around you, seeing all of God's creation and its full in all of its glory and, and seeing that sun come up. It's just something that is is just magnificent. 
Um, but if that was my sunrise each and every morning, each and every day of my life, eventually it's going to lose a little bit of its, its shine, isn't it? You know, there's going to be days where I'm going to appreciate it and days where I'm just going to be, eh, that's, that's the sunrise, right? If we continually live our lives at that mountaintop experience, if we continually um, experience life in its fullest in that way, we're going to lose appreciation for it. In fact, it was the hike up in the darkness. It was starting the day in the valley and the, and the travel and the, and the effort that it took to get up there that made that experience what it was. And I think the same is true for our lives. We can... Um, we're not always going to have external peace, right? We're going to have hardships. We're going to go through difficult times. But it's those difficulties and it's those experiences that is going to make the peace of God that much more real and that much more valuable in our own lives. Does that make sense? And so, you know, and that's how one of the ways that we can have peace is, is through knowing He is in control and He is with us in the midst of those circumstances. I've shared a story with, with many of you I know on occasions where I've made hospital visits or nursing home visits and other, other circumstances that have called for it. But I'll never forget a time when I, one of the first visits I made like that at the, the church I was serving before I moved to New Knoxville. Uh, I was serving as a youth pastor, and over time I, I, I got upgraded. I leveled up to become an associate pastor, whatever that means. And I began to take on some more responsibilities than just the youth group. And so I began to make some hospital visits and, and nursing home visits, sometimes with Steve and sometimes, um, sometimes on my own. And, and one of these first visits I made was, was to a, an older couple in our church. They had, I had gotten to know, um, just through my time there. And, and, uh, and the husband of this, this, couple um, had been dealing with health issues the entire time I was at this church. I mean, in and out of the hospital, he was, he probably was only at church in the service a fraction of the time that I was there because he was always in and out of the hospital or at home and unable to come to the services. Uh, and, and so I had made several visits to their home and to the hospitals and all of those things. Uh, but there came a time where he was uh, brought in the nursing home, and it was pretty sure that this was going to be his last trip. Um, and I remember going, and, and, and Pastor Steve had asked me if I could make this visit, and I'm thinking, I'm in my mid-20s. I have no idea what I'm going to say to these people, right? Uh, and I go, and, and I just sit there, and, and, and uh, the husband was was resting peacefully in the bed and I just sat next to his wife and we just sat there and I talked and we prayed and we read scripture. We did all the, the usual things and I just was sitting there after a while and, you know, I wasn't sure what else to say. There was just this silence and I just, I just remember her turning to me and, and with kind of tears in her eyes but a smile on her face, she just says, you know, I don't know how people go through things like this without the Lord. I don't know how someone can sit by their husband's bedside and have the confidence and the joy and the hope that comes with knowing the Lord. Uh, can have those, or, or, I don't know how they can go through a situation like that without having that confidence and the hope and the joy that comes with knowing the Lord. And that has stuck with me still to this day. A wife sitting by her, her dying husband's bed is able to, able to experience peace only through that relationship that she has with the Lord. 
That's the kind of peace that God can bring in our lives. Not necessarily the absence of conflict, but the, the, the enduring hope and that enduring joy that comes even in the midst of it. A very familiar hymn to, to many of us is, It is well with my soul. And if you wanted to, you could take the time to, to pull it out. It's in our hymnals. But you, and you could, just looking through the lyrics, that is a, a powerful hymn. Um, and, and, you know, you look at the title, It is well with my soul, right? Everything must be great and wonderful. Uh, but but the, the context of the hymn and even the lyrics themselves point to, point to something beyond just the absence of conflict. It is, it is peace like a river, right, that, that flows, and it's there no matter what. The, the person who wrote that hymn um, actually experienced some pretty horrible tragedy, lost his entire family, lost everything he owned. And it was out of that experience that he was able to then write, it is well with my soul. No matter my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's the peace that Christ brings. So what does this peace look like? Uh, want to, if you have your Bibles, uh, take a quick jump through Scripture um, to, to, to see what Scripture has to say about peace. The first passage I want to look at is Isaiah 32, verses 16 and 17. Again, that's Isaiah chapter 32, verses 16 and 17. The prophet says, The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in a fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. The effect of peace is quietness and confidence forever. You see, that's the peace that God brings is in the midst of whatever we're going through, in the midst of whatever this world has to offer us, we have that quiet confidence and that inner strength that comes from knowing the Lord. And again, that's a gift. That's something He instills in us by His Spirit. It's not, not something we just muster up on our own, but it's the quiet confidence, inner strength that comes out of our relationship with the Lord that flows from knowing Him. And so that's what, that's what peace in a biblical sense looks like. And what's the result of it? How does that, how does that affect us now? And we see that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. Excuse me, I want to say verses 6 and 7. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the peace that God gives is, is something that just goes beyond our understanding. It's not something that makes sense to the world. It's not something that makes sense even to ourselves. But it's that, that peace that, that guards our hearts and our minds that, that goes beyond our own understanding. That's the peace that God grants to His people. It's peace in the midst of chaos. And what does that peace look like? How do we receive it? We see it in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Paul writes to the Ephesians church, Speaking of Christ, he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, 
by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we, have, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So the question then is, how do we obtain this peace? How do we experience it for ourselves? It's through Christ. It's through what Christ has done for us on the cross. It says He is our peace. And what He has done for us is He has, he has removed those barriers. He has removed the, the sin and the, and, the, and the hostility that has gotten in the way of our relationship with God and our relationship with others. He has removed that through His death and His resurrection. And so therefore we can experience peace with God and we can experience peace in the world because of what Christ has done for us. If we want to experience the peace of the Prince of Peace, then we must be a part of his kingdom and we must live under his authority. That's how we truly obtain and experience this peace that we've been talking about this morning. So the question then is, you know, how do we obtain it? How do we experience that for ourselves? On the night Christ was born, the angels came and, and, and pronounced the good news to the shepherds in the field and 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 uh, in Luke chapter two verse uh, fourteen, and and it says one of the things that they proclaimed was was peace on earth to the to, on on those whom God's favor rests. We can experience peace, but but that peace wasn't experienced necessarily in a, in a in a worldly sense at that time, right? Peace for Christ and his family at their in their childhood meant fleeing to Egypt out of. Uh, fear of King Herod and what he was doing. Peace at that time uh, was not experienced by the, the many families who lost loved ones due to Herod's genocide out of fear of the new king who was born. Peace was not experienced in a worldly sense when Christ suffered and died on the cross. But it was through those things, it was through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection that he brought peace to this world. And so we obtain it because God has prepared a way for us. See, that's in a sense what the role of John the Baptist was and the role of the prophets of the Old Testament was to prepare a way for God's peace to be experienced and known in this world. And John was preparing a way for Jesus to come and, and preach the good news of the kingdom. And so John is associated with this passage from Isaiah about, about the one in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. And this imagery is, is of an ancient king or monarch um, when they would go and they would visit a, one of their territories or one of their cities away from the capital, um, they would often send representatives or people who would travel in front of them, sometimes days, weeks, months in advance, and prepare the way for them so they would have safe travel. They would clear obstacles in the road and they would sometimes even make new roads in order for the king to travel safely. And the effect that that had was it was easier for the king then to go and and his presence to be experienced in those places within his kingdom. But it also had another effect in that it was allowed the people of the kingdom to experience the king's presence in a new way because it allowed them to safely travel to the place where the king would be. And so John's role and our role in the world today is to prepare the way for, for Christ's coming. In a sense, God has done that work. He has prepared the way through Christ. He has removed the obstacles. He has removed the roadblocks for us. And so we don't have to do that ourselves. But we can still prepare the way for others to experience and know that peace as well. 
Sometimes we throw roadblocks in our own way, right? Sometimes we do things that trip ourselves up. In Hebrews chapter 12, that encourages us to remove anything that distracts us, to, to remove those things that hinder us so that we may run the race uh, more effectively. Sometimes we trip ourselves up and therefore we need to remove those roadblocks in our own lives. But ultimately it's God who has prepared the way for us. And that's because if it were up to, if it were left up to ourselves, we wouldn't be able to do it. In Malachi, the passage that, that Jacob read for us earlier, it reminds us, right, there's this rhetorical question, who can stand on that day? When the king does come to visit, when Christ does return, who can stand? And the, the answer to that rhetorical question is no one, right? Nobody can. No one can stand in God's presence in their sin and, and in, their, in and of themselves and, and be able to endure that. But the good news is that God has prepared the way. God has made that possible to experience peace with him through Christ. And how do we do that? How do we experience that peace? It's through, as, as it says here in John's ministry, the re- repentance and the forgiveness of sins. John's message pointed us towards the work of Christ. In fact, Jesus' first sermon we see in both Matthew and Mark is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. See, John's message pointed the way and paved the way for Christ's work. And so we need to acknowledge that. We need to repent and experience that forgiveness for ourselves. And, and, and in the same way that we can't truly maybe appreciate or understand peace without going through conflict and chaos and the craziness of life, uh, we also can't understand repentance and forgiveness apart from the reality of sin in our lives. We need to acknowledge and confess that we are, in fact, sinners in need of a Savior. All of us, including myself, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And so we need to acknowledge that and, and, and admit that and turn away from those things in order to, to experience God's forgiveness and God's peace. Again, it's not, it's not that we need to uh, clean up our act in order to receive God's love. It's that He has loved us so greatly, that we ha- He has loved us so completely in Christ, that we experience His grace, and it's in response to that that we repent and we turn. It's, it's in God's initiative, it's in God's power that we are able to do that by His Spirit working in our lives. And so that's what John is calling those people to do in preparation for Christ's ministry. It's what we need to do in our own lives to prepare for Christ's coming into our own heart. We need to repent and clear the way for Him. We need to turn away from our sin in response to God's great love for us. And it's also the message that we should be sharing with our communities, with our families, with our loved ones, that Christ is coming that Christ has come and he has righted all of these wrongs he has already won the battle he has already accomplished everything that needs to be done and so out of response to his grace and his love we should repent and turn from those things and when we do that we will experience God's refining fire we will ex- God promises to purify his people the Malachi passage uses the imagery of a refiner's fire or a launderer's so both things that are meant to remove the impurities from an object. Gold or silver, other precious metals, when, when you want to create something new and beautiful and good, 
you take it and you throw it in a fire. Right? You refine it. You burn up all those impurities. You, you remove those things that are getting in the way in order to have something pure and good and valuable in the end. And that's what God does for us. As He's prepared the way for us to experience His grace in our lives, as we repent and turn from those things in order to experience God's forgiveness, He will refine our hearts. He will refine our lives. He will remove those impurities. He will, he will help us to remove those roadblocks that, that prevent us from diving deeper into a relationship with Him. And on the other side, He will have, He will make us more and more like Him. We'll be more, made more and more in His image and not our own. And in Malachi, it says that the proper response, the result of that purification is, is once again proper worship. That's the, that's the response that we have, uh, to, to what God has done in our lives, the peace that we experience is not meant to just be for ourselves, but it's meant to point us back to Him. It's meant to draw us back to Him in worship and thanksgiving and praise. Again, let's think about the night that Christ was born. The experience of the shepherds in the field, right? What, once the, the birth was announced, what did they experience? A great heavenly host of, of angels appearing all of a sudden, all praising God together in one voice. Glory to God in the highest. Right? When they gathered together at the site of Christ's birth, what did they, they, they bow down and they worship the Lord, this newborn king. When the wise men finally arrive after their long journey and they see this child Jesus, they bow down and they worship him. That's the proper response to peace. And so in just a moment, we're going to close in worship, and I want to encourage you uh, to to worship Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength this day. Um, I encourage you to find peace in the Lord because that's where it's found. And and for those of you who have found that peace, pass it on and share that this season with your loved ones and with your community. Let's pray, Father. We are grateful for your your goodness, and we're grateful for the peace that you give us, even as we experience the chaos and the hardships of life. Help us to know your peace that goes beyond understanding. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In closing, let us praise God by singing 133, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.